I'm Larry Dorman. Welcome to Council 4 Unplugged, the podcast of our Council 4 AFSCME Union. We are proud to represent 30,000 working people across the great state of Connecticut. And today, our guest is Alicia Blake. She is the campaign coordinator for the Connecticut Coalition for Retirement Security. So we are going to talk pensions and retirement security. It's an important issue for workers. It's an important issue for the economy and for our state. So let's get right to it. Thanks for joining us, Alicia. Thanks, Larry. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to have you. And perhaps you could talk a little bit about the Connecticut Coalition for Retirement Security, what its goals are, and and what you'll be doing. Sure. So the National Public Pension Coalition was founded in 2007. Um, They're based out of Washington, D.C., And since that time, they've been working to create these state-level coalitions, um, of which Connecticut is now the 15th of in this country. Um, And their their main objective is to um, encourage and educate policymakers and the general public on the impact of pensions, um, which is a conversation that I think is really lacking um, in most of the conversations that we have with our members, um, with each other. I think that retirement security is starting to get really scary Um, for the workers in our state and in our country, um, especially for public sector workers, because uh, the narrative narrative surrounding public sector workers and their pensions um, has has unfortunately shifted to the negative. So one of our main objectives now is to activate and educate members and the general public around, um, around these specific pension issues specific to Connecticut and to you know have these conversations these often difficult conversations um, regarding you know what we're what we're going to be doing at the end of our lives sounds ambitious but also sounds necessary <laughs> really Absolutely. necessary and w- you know we talk about pensions and their pensions are what we call like real retirement plans uh, versus the uh, trend toward the 401k savings plans, which right. are not retirement plans. And obviously there's a big difference in, in pensions, unfortunately, seem to be uh, declining, uh, hopefully making a little bit of a comeback. Uh, and we're not saying that the savings plan, 401 type plans are bad, but they're savings plans. They're not real retirement plans. They don't provide retirement security. And one thing I wanted to ask you is that it seems like uh, particularly for young people, uh, women, people of color, that uh, these these savings plans are not providing sufficient retirement security as you get older? Absolutely. Um, so what we're seeing now with the trend towards um, defined contribution as opposed to the defined benefit plans, um, there's, there's some really... Um, solid and disheartening statistics um, that are surrounding these 401ks now where where you know you can pay the maximum into your 401k savings for the duration of your entire working life retire in your early 70s you know which which is usually um, an older retirement age than most uh, public sector workers um, are, are given the opportunity of and you know the max. You say you max out with a even you know two hundred thousand dollar four hundred one k plan. Can depending on your cost of living, that could last ten years, very conservatively. Um, that puts you into your early eighties, and then what are you supposed to do after that? Um, you're well past you know your your best working ages, and and. Come going back into the workforce, um, that's what we've been seeing the trend uh, right. The trend move towards, unfortunately, is 
our our, reti- our retirees and our seniors who do not have adequate savings, who do not have adequate you know pensions or retirement security, going back into the workforce or um, staying considerably longer um, prior to retirement, and and we're seeing we're seeing a really negative trend. Um, in the workforce once once uh, these issues start happening. So I'm looking at data from the National Institute of Retirement Security, the census, and, and other sources, and I'd like you to respond to this, because uh, I suspect this is why you're engaged in the fight to, to protect pensions and promote retirement security. Uh, an analysis of U.S. Census Bureau data reveals that the median retirement account balance among all working individuals is zero. Yeah. Zero dollars. I believe that the statistic currently is that it's more, it's, you know, at least 50% of um, our seniors who are closest to retirement have zero, yeah. zero retirement savings at all. You, you actually anticipated the next uh, statistic, 57%, yeah. more than 100 million people of working, who are working age individuals, they do not own any retirement account assets in an employer-sponsored 401k-type plan. And uh, the same analysis finds that overall, four out of five working Americans have less than one year's income saved in retirement accounts. That is absolutely shocking and seems to me unacceptable for a country of such great resources. It's actually horrifying in a lot of different ways, um, you know, aside from the obvious, you know, look, looking at numbers like that and, and you know, forcing yourself to accept that these 50, the 57% of these people, you know, who primarily have been, you know, caring for, for my generation, you know, and generations after me, you know, they um, are going to retire into poverty. And the um, economically, you know, the strain that that will then put on the social systems that we that we have in place, you know, at the state level and at the national level, which I think we all know are already rather lacking. Um, I can't even imagine, you know, what what either. the economic detriment <clears throat> to to our state specifically, but nationally, you know, it's not a matter of whether or not you're a worker who will or will not be receiving um, a pension or retirement. It's a matter of whether or not you are an American living in this country. Who is going to who's going to suffer the the economic distress that you know right. our, our entire generation is going to feel once this happens? And again, the numbers are so troubling to me. I just want to re, uh, reassert them, reemphasize them. But also, we we're going to talk about the positive things that are happening with with the campaign for retirement security. Uh, but again, you know. Um, particularly looking at millennials, the people who will be right. young people who will uh, hopefully be supporting us. Right. Uh, well, me, not you. <laughs> we'll, we'll be supporting you. Later. We're on a podcast here. I'm a lot older than Alicia, so um, <laughs> let the record state that. But we'll take care um, of you. So, again, just want to emphasize this: sixty sixty-six percent of working millennials have nothing. I repeat, nothing saved for retirement. The number is, and then the breakdown is 60% white, 70.3% black, 82.9% Latino, 67.0, uh, Asian. So in other words, that's, that's the composition of those two-thirds of working millennials who have nothing saved for retirement. So 
deeply troubling. Um, and when you think about it, um, the factors are depressed wages, lack of eligibility to participate in employer retirement plans. Um, so how are we fighting back? How are we pushing back against this? Well, um, you know, speaking as speaking as one of those people, I can say I can say myself. You know, I come out of 15 years of public. I'm sorry, of private sector health care, um, and I personally do not have a dollar saved towards my own retirement. Um, mm. And I think that the again, you know, the the negative the negative narrative that that's now surrounding um, end of life as far as our our generation is concerned is a question of whether or not we're actually going to get there. Um, with you know, climate distress and and every every other you know, national and worldwide issue that that is kind of crashing down around all of us. I feel like um, pensions, specifically retirement security. I feel like it's such a lost, it's such a lost issue amongst um, amongst younger people, and that's really something that. Um, that the coalition and that the work that I'm trying to do specifically um, is to really help to try to pull younger generations into this narrative, not just speaking to, you know, people who have already retired and are collecting these benefits or people who are close to retirement that want to be sure that they receive their benefits, but talking to people, you know, my age and they're in their 30s or even in their early 40s who aren't anywhere necessarily near retirement and who are, you know, too worried to even consider what that might look like, um, taking into consideration, you know, the the economic, the economic issues that that we face as a state and as a country. Really trying to encourage people to see, you know, how tangible these these issues are are going to be. You know, just it's it's not just a matter of our own retirements as millennials. It's a matter of the state and the country that we want to live in, you know, in, inside half a generation where, like you said, you know, how are we going to take care of each other? How are we going to take care of our our parents, our grandparents, our, our entire, you know, aging communities? Right. How are we going to have the resources to do that when we ourselves are, are you know, flat out, you know, when we're working multiple jobs to make ends meet, when we're, you know, making, you know, poverty wages, trying, trying to raise our own families, you know, how, how are we making space to activate around these issues? And, and in my experience, we really haven't been. So if, if, you know, the work that, that I do and the work that the coalition does moving forward, if we can even just work to, start having these conversations, um, bringing this information to people um, because they've got so much going on. I, I think it kind of gets pushed to the to the back burner a lot of time because it is quite literally, you know, you're considering the end of your life. So there's more than enough uh, to take up space <laughs> with, with what's happening in life right now. Right. So um, really, really trying to, you know, activate our members of, you know, intersectionally, intergenerationally, identifying that this is an issue um, this is an issue that speaks to all of us whether mm. whether we're you know state workers municipal workers whether we're teachers this is this is a universal mm. issue for everybody so one of the benefits obviously of being uh, having union representation one of the things that our labor movement and our AFSME union fight for is retirement security and 
many of our members, most of our members, uh, all of our members certainly on the state side, have defined benefit or real retirement, real pension plans. That's good for the economy. And can you talk a little bit about why pensions matter? Um, Yeah, well, defined benefit pensions are um, the most reliable path to a secure retirement for working families. Um, We know that. But they're also very powerful economic engines for these local communities. Um, And I'll speak to some statistics specifically for Connecticut. Um, In 2016, the spending of pensions uh, just here in Connecticut generated $7.1 billion in economic activity. Um, supported 43,559 jobs that paid nearly $2.7 billion in income. Because retirees are light, are more likely to stay um, in the state where they retire. I know that people like to, you know, sensationalize people moving out of Connecticut for retirement and moving south, but statistically the numbers don't support that. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. I think better than 75% of retired state workers are in this state. Yep. And, and my yeah. my favorite statistic is, you know, each dollar paid out in pension benefits creates a dollar and 42 cents back in total economic output in Connecticut. Um and that's huge. You know, that's that's a 42%, you know, margin and and if you really if you consider what it would mean to just you know, legislate away all of these pensions, you know, it, it, aside from the personal, the personal effect, you know, the very personal effect it would have on, on our state workers, um, it would basically, uh, destroy our economy. So. Hmm. And, you know, along with it, and that's fascinating because what you're saying is, is that, uh, pensions are essentially, um, an economic engine. Absolutely. Um, that, that kind of, Pumps fuel into the local economy. Absolutely, uh, keeps keeps things moving. Uh, so, there's been polling. Uh, Greenwald and Associates did a polling uh, this year, and it kind of ties into that. Americans are highly positive on the role of pensions in providing retirement security and see these retirement plans as better than 401k plans. There's strong support for pension plans for state and local workers, and Americans see these retirement plans as a tool to recruit and retain public workers. And as we discussed before, uh, millennials are are the most concerned about financial security in retirement and are more willing than other generations to save more. So I think this all points to the fact that our labor movement has always been on the right track in trying to make sure that workers can retire with dignity. And the best way to do that is with a real pension plan, Absolutely. which of course those plans are under attack by extremist groups, by wealthy corporations, billionaires like the Koch brothers, groups like the Yankee Institute in mm-hmm. Connecticut. So, you know, pensions are, they're they're really stirring up this frenzy. I call it pension envy, yeah. but it's really it's anti-union, anti-worker envy, uh, and and the goal, if they were to get their way, would actually be to destroy economic security and it would harm the economy even further. Absolutely, um, I think I love that you know, that pension envy term. You know, because I I think that with um, with the work that we do in the labor movement, you know. Um, it's really about having these conversations with people and helping to shift the narrative away from why you have something that I don't and towards the fact that all of us as workers and as people 
deserve these rights. And we should be working to fight for, for whoever we're able to, you know, and, and I feel especially for public sector workers, for our public servants who, who keep our state and country running every day. They teach our children. They plow our streets. They build our bridges. We wouldn't be able to exist as a civilized society without these people. And, you know, and the idea originally was for us as a community and as a country to, to responsibly and respectfully care for everybody. And um, we've got away from that, you know, and I, and I don't think that there's many people who would question, who would question me saying that, you know, I, I really right. think that, I, agree. I, I agree. really think that we're starting to get away from that. And the fact that, you know, the pensions were allowed to go unfunded for as long as they were, I think that, that that set us up, that set them up perfectly to be able to, you know, tear down the, the you know, economic security surrounding pensions to have exactly. all of these special interest groups make it super easy for them to, you know, infiltrate and sensationalize what's happening here and to, you know, turn that pension envy into full-on, you know, finger pointing and and blame gaming our well public servants who, you know, serve every single one of us every day without condition as being, you know, the as being greedy and as being the the issue here when the issue is you know, we're breaking our promises right. to working people. And and numerous studies uh, Jump in. Numer- there are studies out there. Boston College study, for example, uh, state. When you look at state employee pensions, you, you just hit the nail on the head. Uh, the benefits are reasonable and moderate. It's it's not a benefit issue. It's what you just said. It's that, and this has happened in municipalities and in state governments across the country. Uh, the employer has failed on its obligations. It's failed to properly fund pensions, and state employees have agreed to numerous concessions uh, along with reamortizing the pension, refinancing the pension right. that their uh, state employees are paying more into their pension. So uh, this problem will get addressed and be taken care of in large part because of the sacrifice of, of unionized state employees. So you, you, that's a really important point. It's not about the benefits. It's the fact that Government has failed. Uh, governmental leaders have failed on their obligation. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I, I, uh, our guest here is Alicia Blake. She is the campaign coordinator for the Connecticut Coalition for Retirement Security. Your website is protectpensions.org. Um, yep, protectpensions.org. That will bring you to the main um, National Public Pension Coalition page, and then we've got um, they've got a page for Connecticut there as well that gives right, some right. uh, specificities. Good, good. I, I would encourage our, our listeners to go there. And uh, my contact is also on there, so anybody excellent. that wants to reach out to me can do that as well. Good, good. And I surf that site a lot. I go to that site a lot, and um, it's a great resource. It is a great resource, and one of the. the what you'll see on, on protectpensions.org uh, are studies showing that also states and municipalities that went to the 401k model are switching back to defined benefit plans. We actually have um, an example of that right here in Connecticut with the Brantford Police Department um, had, you know, uh, collectively bargained out the defined benefit 
pensions, you know, and had switched to a 401k plan. Um, and it failed miserably. <laughs> and, you know, they, they were unable to retain, you know, retain officers. They were unable to recruit officers. Um, and it really, uh, it, it was such a detriment to to the town and to their police department that they've actually now gone back. Right. They recently said this was a failed experiment. Great <laughs> and, point. And it's it, it's time for us to to fix to fix this. And so they're they're actually in the process of doing right. that. There are a couple other you know notorious yeah, examples around the country, right. but that's one that's that's very close to home. Yeah, and that that's a, a, an excellent anecdote because the issue here is that uh, we've seen there was an article a couple years ago in uh, I believe the New Haven Register about the Naugatuck Fire Department losing firefighters to New Haven, and one of the firefighters made it very clear that given the difficulties and the stresses of the job, Absolutely. made much more sense for him and his family to have a defined benefit plan. So you have cities and towns that invest in training and trying to have the best public servants possible, whether they're police, firefighters, sanitation workers, mm-hmm. whatever. And um, they're going to lose people, and they are losing people. So it's a recruitment and retention issue is, is what you're saying. I'm going to sneak in just another um, anecdote for Please you do. because I know that AFSCME uh, represents a lot of uh, correctional officers as well, and and we're seeing you know we're seeing states state governments trying to turn away from you know defined benefit pensions, trying to turn towards you know these pension reforms as they're as they're considered you know to these hybrid plans to you know raising raising the retirement age both for. Um, hazardous duty and non-hazardous duty um, employees, but I was uh, in Anchorage, Alaska, about a year ago on um, on an organizing blitz, and I was speaking with some of their correctional officers, and and you know one of one of the stipulations they're trying to raise the retirement age for for their COs to sixty uh, to sixty five, and there was actually a study done in Anchorage where the um, average life expectancy of a correctional officer in Alaska is sixty two. So they're basically <laughs> trying to force COs to work until they're dead and forfeit their retirement right. security. So right. it's really, I mean, it's really a constant fight against these, these things that may seem reasonable on, on the surface. You know, statistically, people are living longer, so it makes sense to raise the retirement age, right? In some instances, maybe, but we really have to pay attention to how these these reforms and these policies um, are going to affect workers, particularly, you know, in, in their specific jobs, um, because the work that a correctional officer does, and a work that a teacher does, and a work that you know my dad does at the, for the Department of Transportation, they are not the same jobs, um, mm-hmm. even right. if they are all considered public sector workers. Right. Um, so we really have to pay attention. We have to be very careful when yeah. we when we talk about pension reforms like that. Right. And our guest has been Alicia Blake. She's the campaign coordinator for the Connecticut Coalition for Retirement Security. And before we close out, Alicia, I know you've got a website and social media presence. Perhaps you could talk about that. Sure. Um, So you can check us out at the Connecticut Coalition for Retirement Security on Facebook. We are also on Twitter. Uh, Twitter handle is at CT Pensions. Um, and again, if you if you check us out on protectpensions.org um, and click on that Connecticut tab, you can get my direct information, anything um, anything that anybody needs from from me here in the state. Please feel free to reach out. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Larry. Mm-hmm.
As always, thanks for listening to our Council 4 Unplugged podcast. You can find us on all major social platforms by searching for Council 4 AFSCME. Our website is council4.org. My name's Larry Dorman, and you've been unplugged. <laughs>